disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them together. Strawed them in the way, I'm sorry. And the multitudes that went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we uh, begin this series, Lord, looking at your son Jesus Christ and his entry into Jerusalem, Lord, as he uh, prepared himself uh, for the cross, as he prepared to say goodbye to his mother, as he prepared uh, to uh, fulfill the prophecy that you had predicted, Lord, I I just pray that this week and the next coming weeks ahead, Lord, that each one of us could take uh, these messages to heart and better understand the fulfillment of this prophecy, better understand the fulfillment of the greatest love story that has ever been told. And Lord God, I just want to thank you again for sending your only begotten son down here on earth to spend just a few years with your people. And Father, I just can't thank you enough for allowing him to sacrifice, the sacrifice on that cross, so that I may obtain eternal life through salvation in your son Jesus. And Lord, I pray today as, uh, as we prepare our hearts for uh, this Easter season that we do reflect back on that great sacrifice that took place. Lord, tomorrow as uh, we uh, start out a new week, we just got a lot on our hearts and on our minds. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with those uh, that are sick. God, I pray that you'd be with VJ as he goes in for surgery. And Lord, be with uh, Kalen and, and the death and the family there as well. And Lord, just uh, pray, Lord, that you'd give him a, a great peace and comfort. Father, we thank you again for this gorgeous day that you've given us, such a beautiful week that we've had out uh, in, in your creation. And pray, Lord, you just bless our time together. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You have a seat. All right. So first thing we'll look at, King Jesus arrived because God never breaks promise. I hope that's not a newsflash for y'all, and I hope that's not the first time you've ever heard this. But God don't break promises. If he makes a promise, he sticks with that promise. He will never go back on his promise. He ain't like us. That's, that's, that's hard. Uh, Abby reminded me a while ago uh, of a promise I had made her. I don't know when I made that promise, but she told me, she reminded me that if she bought her truck, that I would buy her a horse. And she reminded me of that on the way up here. And, and I told her, said she had to buy the truck. That meant that, meant that memory is not helping her buy her truck. So we'll see how that goes. But we... we Hopefully, I don't have to break that promise. <laughs> but that's what we do in human nature is we, we break promises every now and then. It, it, it hurts. And it, a lot of times, it's not that we, we do it on purpose. It's just some of the events that take place, the circumstances. We just can't fulfill the promise that we've made to someone else. God has no excuse. God is God. God says, that if I make a promise... I'm sticking with that promise. I'll never break that promise. And so he's made us so many promises on this not too long ago. The promises that he has made us. And he has fulfilled every single one of them. And I, I remember telling you all this. And we all know there's one promise that he hasn't fulfilled. Not that he's broke it, but he's never fulfilled it. And that's the promise that he's going to return. He's going to send his son to, to get his church, to get the bride. That's the, he just haven't, hasn't fulfilled it yet. Not that he broke it. But it's coming. He's not going to go back on that promise. So be ready. Ready or not, here he comes. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. 
It says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. Now this was written hundreds of years before Jesus rode into Jerusalem. This, this come from the prophet Daniel. And Daniel had a vision, had, was t- uh, spoken to by God, and God told him what was going to take place, and he said, I'm going to send a Messiah to save my people. He's going to send someone to save the people. Now, prophecy, and you go back in the Old Testament, and we talked a lot about it at Christmas, and we always talk about it right around Easter. Prophecy is, is a big part of the Bible. It's a huge part of the Bible. And it's another reason that we know that God is real and that God's word is real because it has been fulfilled over the years. Uh, everything. It's all been fulfilled over the years. There's no other religious book in the world that has prophecy in it. And even if it did, it would not be right. Only our Bible, only the 66 books in the Word of God are true. And the prophecy that's written in that has all been fulfilled. Now, the Bible has been 100% accurate. You cannot go back in the Bible. And even, folks, I even I don't even want to talk about science, but I'm going to throw it in here anyway. Science has proven the Bible is right. I don't need scientists to tell me that this is right. But now they're going back almost, I ain't going to say daily, but they're going back all the time, and they're finding things in the Bible, and they're proving them through science that it was true and that it truly did happen. Again, I don't need scientists to tell me that, but I'll throw that in there for nothing. So it told, the Bible told through prophecy, it told exactly when Jesus would enter into Jerusalem, 490 years. That's what what. Uh, God told Daniel, so it'd be 490 years, and then their king would come riding in on a donkey. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. We just read that. And look at him now. What's he doing? He's riding in. King Jesus is riding in on that colt. Just like Daniel said would happen. Just like he said would happen. The prophet Daniel, over 500 years before this, received that promise from God. Now listen over in Daniel 9.26 says, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. In the book of Nehemiah, we'll go back there too. Nehemiah, the work to rebuild uh, Jerusalem began. So when the work to rebuild Jerusalem began, guess what God did? God took his holy stopwatch and went, click, watch this. And so for 490 years, God sat there and watched that little stopwatch. And when it got to 490, he said, go. Go on into Jerusalem. He fulfilled prophecy. From Nehemiah all the way up into what we just read in Matthew, Jesus fulfilled more prophecy because God said this would happen. That's, that's what prophecy is. God saying something will happen. So from Nehemiah to when they start to, to rebuild Jerusalem up until Jesus rode in on that, on that foal, on that colt, the stopwatch was clicking. God's stopwatch was clicking. And then 490 years later, Jesus rode in. What did he say? Your king is coming. That's what God was saying. Your king is coming. Your king is on the way. 
Here he comes. He's riding in just like I said he would. Here comes the king. And it's a promise from God Almighty that was fulfilled. Not only is he the king of kings and lord of lords, but he is my king. He is your king. He's each individual person's king if you've been saved by God's good grace. So he is my king. He is your king. He is our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our shepherd. He's the great I am. He's, he's got so many names right now that, that, that just preach all day right there. But he is our king, your king, fulfilling prophecy. And that event right there reminds us that God never breaks a promise. I cannot stress that enough. God will not break a promise ever. He said he would send a king. He said he would send a Messiah. He said he would ride in on a cult. He said he would come into Jerusalem. And he did, and he did, and he did, and he did. And he always will. He never goes back on his word. And one of my favorite promises of God, one of the favorite, my favorite promises Jesus ever spoke is John 14, 3. He said, if I go to prepare a place. I love that. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. It gives me chills. I will come again. There's a promise. That's that promise I was telling you about a while ago. He ain't fulfilled that promise. He ain't broke that promise. But it just ain't time yet. It just ain't time. I don't know what, what we're waiting on. I don't know what God's waiting on. He's got perfect timing. He's waiting on something. I don't know what it is. It might be just one person. I've, I've said it before. It may just be one person sitting here at Chestnut Dale Baptist Church. He might be waiting on one more person to get saved. And then he says, all right, there he is. There she is. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to go. Jesus, go get your bride. Jesus, go get the church. Bring them home, son. That's what he's, I don't know what he's waiting on, but he's waiting on something. Where I am, there ye may be also. I love that. The promise of heaven is real for all of us who have made the decision, who all of us who have made Jesus our personal king. There's a promise that he's made us, more promises. We'll be able to go home with him when he calls us. Secondly, King Jesus' arrival reminds me that he came to bring peace. When you think of Jesus, do you think war? Do you think bad things when you think of Jesus? Whenever I think of Jesus, when I read about Jesus, I don't think anything negative. I don't know that anything negative has ever crossed my mind when I think about Jesus. I think of negative things that happen to Jesus. Think about, well, I mean, we're getting ready to go into Easter, and if y'all could tell, I like green in March, just so you know. That's why this and that's all green. I'm a big, big green supporter. We get here to, to Easter, and we start thinking about the things that took place with Jesus. We, we start thinking about the betrayal with the kiss. That's negative. We start thinking about the, the, being the, the fake trial, the false trial. That's negative. We start thinking about the scourging and, and the plucking of the beard and all that he went through. That's all negative. But it's all negative things that happen to Jesus. But when I think about Jesus, I don't think negative. I think positive. I think love. I think salvation. I think great thoughts because of what he has done for each one of us. So it brings peace to my mind. It brings peace to my heart when I think about Jesus. It should do the same to you when you mention, when you utter his name. Well, you should shake. You should, have, uh, you should rejoice. You should have joy in your heart when you say the name Jesus. Just Jesus. You should put a smile on your face. Look at verse 5 again. It says, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. 
Not only was Jesus' arrival fulfillment of God's promise, but how he rode in to Jerusalem was another promise, another prophecy that was fulfilled. And that cult meant a lot. Most people would read right through. It's like John. You know, at Easter we go into John, and, and nobody really talks about the napkin that much. Y'all know how much I love the napkin, the folded napkin, because it's just read over. Nobody reads that much in John when it comes to the resurrection. I love the folded napkin. That excites me. It means he's coming back. The master's coming back. But when you read this triumphal entry of Jesus, a lot of people skip through and they just say, oh, he rolled, up, rolled in on a donkey. Move on. But there's so much more behind why and how he rode in that we need to understand. He rode into Jerusalem, shows his intent to bring peace. That's what a cult, that's what the donkey meant. Peace. If they wanted war, he'd have rode in on a horse. But I have never seen Jesus ride in on a horse yet. But he will. He's going to, he rode into Jerusalem on the colt, on that donkey, because that's what a donkey represents. It is peace. He is a peaceful king. He rode in with no intent of harm. He did not intend to cause a stir. He came in peaceful. A king who, that's what they were waiting on, a king who would deliver him from the bondage, of the, the rule of the, the Romans. That's what they were waiting on, but he didn't come in the way that they thought he would come in. He didn't come charging in on this, this nice big old steed and just, you know, just all decked out in, in kingly clothing. He came in on probably side saddle on the side of a donkey, on a colt, on somebody's clothes. And we'll talk about that later. I don't want to get off on that yet. It was Jesus' intent that when he rode in the town to bring peace with him, not war, not harm, not evil but good. So he rode in on this donkey. Jesus riding in on a colt was a symbol of peace, and that's the message that he wanted to send. You think about how we enter into to, to, to places. Just go back and you look at some of the, uh, our, I'll say politicians, but I'm not talking about just the U.S., but just around the world. When somebody with significant power comes into an area, how do they come in? Armored cars, Military, you got army everywhere, military men and women stationed everywhere, snipers on the roof, you've got, you know, barricades, you got all these things out there, and it looks like a war zone. And, and, and it's, that's how they go in. They're, they're of high power, so they need a lot of protection. Jesus came in on a donkey. Jesus rode in on a donkey. He didn't have snipers on the roof. He didn't have, you know, little David up there with the slingshot, getting ready to thump another one. He. He just came in on a donkey. He came in peaceful. He came in not wanting to cause a war, just to bring the simple message of peace. Peace I bring unto you. Peace. That's it. Nothing major. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't want to, like I said, cause a stir. He says, well, I'm going to give you this peace. I've got some peace that I want to offer you to this world. A peace that this world can't give you. A peace that this world don't know how to handle. A peace that this world can't comprehend. I'm bringing it. Me and my donkey, we're bringing you peace. That's what he wants to offer. And he still wants to offer that peace to you. To this day, he's trying to bring you that peace. Through Jesus, I have peace. Through Jesus, I hope you have peace. I hope you have peace. Number three, King Jesus' arrival reminds me that he deserves reverence. Now, reverence. Reverence, that's, that's a big word. 
That's respect. That's what reverence is. When you look at Jesus, when we read the Word of God and we find Jesus in here, he deserves respect. He deserves that reverence. Look back over at seven, uh, verse 70. It says, And brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them together, strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to Son of God. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus' disciples, they took their clothes off. They said, Jesus, you can't ride on that donkey like that. So they took their clothes off and they, and they made him a saddle out of their own garments. That's reverence. That is reverence. And then take it a step further, the people that went ahead of Jesus, they took off their garments and placed them on the ground. And then they took the palm leaves and they laid them on the ground. They wove them together. And so out of reverence to Jesus, they cleared the way. And they put, listen, let's see if I can find it real quick. The, the palm branches. This is the symbols that a palm branch is uh, means. It's, it means well-being, grandeur, steadfastness, and victory. <laughs> That's what the palm branch means. And so they laid these down. They, they, they interwove them together, and they laid them down on the ground, along with their garments, out of reverence to Jesus. Out of respect for Jesus, they laid it on the ground. They were more concerned about the comfort of Jesus than their own. They loved him. They didn't quite understand him right yet. They knew of him, but they were starting to learn about him. But they still respect him, and they had reverence for him. So they gave him the utmost respect by denying themselves to, just to, so they could serve him. They got to deny themselves. We have to deny ourselves. That's what we're told, ain't it? You've got to take up the cross. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. They were denying themselves and following Jesus. He deserves our worship. He deserves our service, just as they did for him on that triumphal entry into Jerusalem that day. He rode into Jerusalem for the purpose of providing some, something for me that I could never earn. He went into Jerusalem to provide salvation. He went into Jerusalem to be crucified to be ridiculed, to be mocked. He went in for me because I could not, I could not and cannot come up with my own salvation. I can't buy my own salvation. I can't earn my own salvation. Jesus did it. And it started, well, it started at birth, but it started on that, that triumphal entry, that day that he rode into Jerusalem. Most of the people there didn't fully understand who they were worshiping. It's a little bit different now, ain't it? We got a Bible. We got preaching. We got churches. So we start, we're starting to have a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And we know that, that these people didn't know who he was because the same cries as he wrote. Look over there again. It says that they, uh, verse 9, it says, uh, and the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Those same people that were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, were the exact same people that a few days later are saying, crucify him. The exact, I'm 
telling you, the same people that were taking their clothes off and they were laying palm leaves down on the ground are the same people. They're out there uh, yelling, crucify him, probably casting alms, and they're trying to, who's going to get his garment? Who's going to get a drop of blood? Who's going to get this from Jesus? Those same people, they did not understand who they were worshiping at the time. But buddies, when the earth shook, and that curtain was rent twain right down the middle, I think they figured it out. I think they figured out really fast who he was and who they were worshiping. In that moment, those people didn't fully understand Jesus, and that reminds us that he deserves reverence. When you come into his house, he deserves reverence. There's things that we don't even teach our kids anymore when it comes to the house of God. I mean, what, one of the first things, that, and, and I ain't not, this is not against anybody here, one of the first things I remember when I was growing up in church, if I walked into the church and I had my ball cap on, I might or might not leave that church with my head on. Somebody's going to knock it off. It's reverence. I don't even want, um, shoot, it's been a couple of years ago. I helped uh, Will Valley, uh, my Pastor Ray, Preacher Ray, does a Memorial Day service, and, and he had the honor guard for the fire department come in, and we presented the colors, and, and we did a little something different, and I presented actually presented a Bible. That's not normal. Honor guard doesn't present Bibles, but we did, and I got to do it. That's the most awkward feeling in the world to walk into my home church and have to wear my hat. I had to wear my, my honor guard hat, and I, I almost took it off. I mean, it just felt out of place, but as a reverence, is a reverence. We all have to have that reverence for the Word of God. When it's being read, we're listening. When we're singing it, we're singing it out of heart, and we're, we're listening to it. When we're in for preaching, we have respect for the Word of God. When we come into His house, we have reverence, we have respect for His house. It's what always looks good. It's always nice and clean in here. It's not ever trashy. Everything is always looking good. It's because of reverence. You take care of it. And that's a tradition that's going out the window. We're not raising our children to have reverence, to show respect for, for God's church and for his people. Reverence. So when we read this, when we look at this triumphal entry right here, in that moment, those people didn't fully understand Jesus, but that always reminds me that he deserves our respect and reverence. The fourth thing, the final thing, when Jesus arrives, Questions about him have to be answered. Now look at verse 10 and 11 again. It says, And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Love that. Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. When Jesus finally made it into Jerusalem, with all the worship and all the shouts that was going on, all the hooting and hollering that was going on, and they had this big old large crowd and all that excitement, all that enthusiasm that's going on. People were saying, who is this guy? Who's this fella riding in on a donkey? What's all the hubbub about? Why are y'all yelling? Why are y'all shouting? Who is this man? Who is this? Who is this? I don't, I don't recall that name, Jesus of Nazareth. I don't recall that. Who's this man from Galilee that you're talking about? Who is this? This should speak to us as followers of Jesus. When we go into the world, when we leave the church and we go out into the world, when we leave these four walls and we live our lives, are we excited? Are we excited about what Jesus has done for us? 
when we leave these four walls and we go out into the world and out into our community, are we excited about what he's going to do for us and what he does for us? Do we have the enthusiasm with our faith? Do we show that enthusiasm when we tell people about our faith, about what he has done for us, what he has done for our church, what he has done for the individuals of this church? Do we have enthusiasm when we talk about Jesus? Do we get all giddy and smile and and laugh and maybe even cry some happy tears when we talk about how much Jesus loves us and what he's done for us? Even in the worst of times, you still have to have that excitement for Jesus. I'm excited. Yeah, I just lost a loved one, but I'm excited because they knew who he was. They had a relationship with him, and I'm excited because I know that they are safe and in his presence right now. That excites me. We need to be excited when we leave these these four walls of the church. There are people in this community that are lost. You go up and down this road right here, you don't have to go a quarter mile each way. I guarantee you're going to find somebody lost. The community sees us. They know us. They know where you go to church. They know what you do outside the church walls. They know, they're nosy, some of them. They'd make good Baptists, wouldn't they? they were, they're, they're nosy people out there. They know how we act when we're inside this church. We're Christians. We worship God when we're inside this church. But they also know how we act inside these four walls. They see us. They know us. They know how we act away from here. These people, in verse 10, I'm going to read again, it says, And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this man? It says, All the city. So they were in the streets. They were in the marketplaces. They were all up and down the roads, and they could still see the excitement coming from those people that were laying their clothes down, the palm leaves down for Jesus. They could see the excitement on these people that were leading Jesus into Jerusalem. And so they were so excited, and then people were saying, well, who is it then? Who is it? You, you ever been to a restaurant or somewhere where there's somebody famous there? And, and you, you hear all the whispers, and you hear all the people saying, did you see who's over there? Ariel's done that a time. Y'all probably done that eating Mexican up in Banner Elk, ain't you? Yeah, Scotty? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> but everybody's all giddy, like, oh, look who's over here. Did you see it? So there's all this excitement, and you can hear all these whispers, and everybody's getting, like, look who's over here. Well, who is it? Well, just look. Well, who is it? Well, Scotty. No. <laughs> I mean, Years ago, when my aunt and uncle lived up in Kentucky, um, y'all ever watched, the, it's a, kind of an old movie, but well, not old, it's back in the 90s, uh, Black Dog, Patrick Swayze, and uh, that's that a good movie, filmed it here in North Carolina, but Patrick Swayze broke his leg filming that, and my aunt and uncle lived in Kentucky, and we was up at the, I think we was at the Kentucky Horse Farm, and uh, Patrick Swayze was at the Kentucky Horse Farm, and so we were all, you know, we was, I was staring at all these big old horses, I was, I was just amazed, and everybody, all the women, of course, were like, oh, look, there's Patrick Swayze. They got excited about who was there. That's the same thing going on right here. They were excited about who was there. They were showing, they were rejoicing. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And the multitude said, I love this, and the multitude said, this is Jesus the prophet. This is Jesus. Who was at church with you today? That was Jesus with me at church today. 
Who was that in the car with you when you wrecked? It was Jesus that was with me. Who was with you going down the road today to kept you safe? It's Jesus that was with me. Who's sitting beside of you in the pew right now? It's Jesus that's there with me right now. Have some excitement about who's with you and who's in your life. Only when the church gets excited about him in our, our everyday lives will we begin to have an impact on the community. When we leave the church, and we're excited when we leave the church, not because I, I, I cut it short by five minutes or that you're getting ready to go over to Los Arcos and eat lunch. That, not that kind of excitement. I'm talking about because you met with Jesus. That kind of excitement. You get excited because you met with Jesus on Sunday and you leave the church and you're excited. And people see that you're excited. And they, they sense it. They feel it. Something great just come out of that church. Something great is going on in their lives. Those who are not saved, they will see it. I promise you, they will see it. But you've got to show it. Don't bottle it up. Don't put it under a basket, as the song says. They see you in places, the community, they see you in the places that you shouldn't be. They do. They've got their eye on you. They know who you are. I remember when I worked at... At Samaritan's Purse, I had only been there just a couple months. And I remember one of the, the ladies was extremely sick there. And our director at World Med had, uh, he's, he's, Scot- he's from Scotland, he's Scottish, and, of course, they, he knew how to mix things to make it better. <laughs> and so one of the ladies had, went, had to go over to the ABC store and get something. It was for medicinal purposes. But guess what? She got seen. Somebody saw her walk in there. Not, she wasn't wearing anything SP-related, but somebody that knew her seen her walk in. Folks, we're watched. Everybody's got their eye on us. The world is watching the church right now. The world's got their eye on these little churches. But guess what? God's watching us too. God's got an eye on us. He's got an eye on his children. He sees what we're doing. He sees your secret sins. He sees all the things that you got going on in your life just the way the community does. The community sees you. They're watching you. You be careful where you're going and what you're doing what you say and what you start. Be careful there. King Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem reminds us that we need to have an excitement for him every single day of our lives. we got something to be excited about. Every one of us that's saved, we've got something to be excited about. Heaven. Salvation, that ought to excite you. we got a home, that ought to excite you. When you leave here, be excited. I'm going to heaven. I leave this place, I'm going to heaven. That should excite you. And when we do, when we show that excitement, the lost are going to take notice. The, the lost are going to see us, and they're going to be just like the, the group right here, the, the multitude here, and they're going to say, who is this? Who is this? I love that. Who is this? And the multitude said, and that would be us, we're that multitude, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. That ought to excite you right there. This is Jesus. Lord, I hope his head ain't hung up. <laughs> he's, he's wedged in there. Get excited. Stand with me just a moment. We're going to close out. Get excited. Don't get excited because we're closing out. Just get excited because of Jesus. Get excited. And the multitudes that went before, 
and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I love that. When we leave, let's be shouting Hosanna. Not crucify, not kill. Nothing like that. We need to be shouting Hosanna at the top of our lungs when we leave church. When we leave wherever we go, wherever we're going. Let everybody see the excitement that's in your heart. That's in your heart. And the joy that's on your face because of what you got and who you got. Anybody have anything on their heart this evening as we close out? Love it. Anybody else? Yep, I'll never forget that one. Whew. Sure, I'm glad to have him around. I believe the last Sunday of this month, I'll be here five years. That's the only way I can keep up with you. <laughs> it's five, five great years. Glorious years. <laughs> we, yeah, we, <laughs> we'll just go with four years. <laughs> I don't know about last year. It didn't happen. Anybody else? Jerry, will you dismiss us, please? Amen. All right, don't forget to set your clocks. Spring forward next Sunday and be here for Sunday school. <laughs>